Al-Jazeera Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Malika. I'm handing the host mic this week to my colleague Natasha Del Toro. I'll be back next week. Enjoy. Abid Hussein, an Al Jazeera journalist in Islamabad, has pretty much given up when it comes to sleeping. I haven't slept. <laughs> um, it has been nonstop. I mean, Pakistan is a country which makes it hard to work as a journalist. And last week was no exception. After Pakistan had one of the biggest arrests it's ever seen, the former prime minister, Imran Khan. Down about 2 o'clock, 2.15, news started filtering in. I was actually messaged by one of the aides who was with Imran. They sent me a video message saying that Imran Khan has been arrested and Rangers are tracking him and they are hitting him. Pakistan's paramilitary forces moved quickly, storming the area in full riot gear. Imran Khan is Pakistan's most popular politician. With the Pakistan Tariqa Insaf Party, the PTI, he was arrested on corruption charges. It was military forces who arrested him, and he's since been released, but it set up a showdown. I have a fear that next week is going to be even more difficult. The stage is set for another intense battle between him, his party, and the government and this military establishment as well. There is- so what just happened in Pakistan and what's behind this showdown between Imran Khan and the military? I'm Natasha Del Toro, in for Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. My name is Abid Hussain. I am currently based in Islamabad, the federal capital. I am originally from the southern city of Karachi. I have been a journalist in journalism for the last uh, now 11 years, uh, mostly working in Pakistan. So, Abid, this all seems to have really ramped up. Breaking news that, that's happening this hour. We're hearing from Islamabad that the former prime minister, Imran Khan, has been arrested. You were there in Islamabad when it happened. So what, what happened? When that arrest happened, obviously it was a came as a surprise. Imran had been facing courts for some time on May 9th when he came. Nobody really expected him to get arrested. However, Imran had been criticizing the military a lot in the last 10 days. Like he had been doing it for a whole year, but in the last 10 days, his criticism really increased. On Monday, a day before his arrest, on 8th of May, military issued a really harsh statement saying that Imran Khan's allegations are baseless, are highly irresponsible. Now keep in mind that Imran Khan has been shot in the foot. He was shot in the foot last year. The 70-year-old was giving a speech in Zawazirabad when the gunman opened fire. He has been on a wheelchair and he's visibly limping. He cannot walk properly, okay? And in that room when he went, and the video later on showed that a bunch of rangers, the paramilitary force rangers, not the police, they came and surrounded that room. We have videos we can show that Imran is just looking at them sitting, you know, with his hand on his chin and looking outside. Eventually, the rangers, the paramilitary force, they broke down the door, they came inside, they grabbed Imran and they dragged him out. We do not see that actual movement of grabbing him. 
But what we do see is him being dragged out from the room where you have a bunch of like, what, 80, 90 officers pushing one man who's basically, you know, single man standing over there, uh, which we all know that it was, was hurt. Lebron used the word abduction. He said, I was not arrested, I was abducted, number one. And secondly, he said, paramilitary force was used to take me, not police, which shows that it was done by the army. So Imran was dragged and he was put into a vehicle and he was taken away. Initially, the response in the country was mostly of shock, like what just happened. Nobody expected it. In fact, uh, one thing which I simply remember, including myself, we were all scrambling to find out which case is this? Why was he arrested? Which arrest warrant was this? But slowly, gradually, the news came out. The PTI leaders came out on the streets. PTI stands for? Pakistan, Tehrike Insaf. It basically means Pakistan's movement for justice. And they basically, you know, said that we need to protest against Imran's um, arrest. And subsequently, people started pouring out on the streets. Now, he has more than 100 cases against him. I mean... You know, we, I don't need to get into all of the details, but what, what are some of the charges? So primarily, the charges against Imran are frivolous, they are trivial, and they are, frankly speaking, ridiculous. Most of them, majority of them. Because they are against, you know, um, it is speeches where he is basically railing against the government, the military, or somebody else. If state will slap him with a case of terrorism. Um, state will slap him with a case of, you know, creating disturbance in a society, things like that. However, out of all the cases that have been filed against him, a few of them are serious nature. One of them is the one in which he got arrested. The charge primarily is that Imran Khan colluded with Pakistan's biggest uh, business tycoon, Malik Riyaz, and got hold of a land to build a university. So the question is about that embezzlement of that money. Where did that money go? So basically, it's, it's a corruption charge. It's a, it's, it's a flat-out corruption bribery case. Hmm. And, you know, as Imran Khan, as we've said, is this hugely popular figure in Pakistan. He was a famous cricketer, which we know is the most famous sport in Pakistan, a philanthropist, and a very successful politician. It seemed easy for him to rally the people's support. The moment the arrest happened, Al Jazeera had, had a story that it ran. Uh, it said Imran Khan's arrest exploded Pakistan's reservoir of rage. I guess that speaks to the kind of reaction that you've seen over the past week. Look, in Pakistan, during his government as a prime minister, he was ruling from August 2018 to April 2022. His performance was lukewarm at best. It was completely supported by the military. And the military has then subsequently come out on record and saying that we were completely supporting Imran Khan. However, Imran said that he was pushed out of the government because of military. Earlier, he alleged that America is part of it. Then later on, he backed out of those allegations. Now he says it was military and then military chief, General Bajwa, was behind this. Now, Imran has been what we need to understand Imran and PTI are good at. They are exceptional at communication, at narrative building at putting out their message. There is no party in Pakistan which even comes close to it. The support bank that they have, and it's a, it's a large support bank. The demography is urban, swave, middle class, well-educated, upwardly mobile, and young, relatively speaking. And Pakistan is primarily a young country in terms of their average age. 
and they all see Imran as the main person who basically channels their anger. The Imran brings forward a very simplistic message that I am good for the country. Believe in me, trust in me. And that's a very easy thing to, to you know to understand. The word that I will be using, I'll be using it very carefully. He's almost like a cult. And that's why they are doing this on voluntary basis. They want to come out on the street. They want to show their anger against the military. They want to represent what Imran has been saying. So those things come out very organically that way. ETI for the last one year has been conducting a lot of rallies. This time down, the difference was those group of people, they started marching towards military installation or state buildings. And they were carrying beatles with them. They were carrying, in fact, there were some videos which you can see people carrying guns with them. And it appears then that the public is enraged at the military. Is that right? Yeah. So this is what it appears that Imran in the last one year has been blaming the institution and essentially what Imran has been saying that the military and the military leaders, which basically mean the army chief, has been colluding with his rivals and so on and so forth. So now, naturally, this is what you will expect. Why the military has Imran Khan and his supporters so riled up, that's after the break. On the Inside Story podcast this week, Turkey will hold a presidential runoff after Recep Tayyip Erdogan falls short of winning a majority. Can the man who has led Turkey for two decades keep his job? Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To understand why there's anger at the military, Abid says, first, we have to understand what the military means for Pakistan. Military is Pakistan's most disciplined and the biggest institution. It has directly ruled the country for more than three decades. They have conducted three coups, basically, military dictatorship. And they are, because they are so powerful and so all entrenched in the country, they have basically been meddling into political affairs essentially since the country was founded in 1947. And they are the key kingmaker behind every single party over the time. As you're talking, there, there's been a history of military involvement with politicians in Pakistan. And, and there was a time when Imran Khan was close with the military as well. If you could tell me a little bit more about that history and how did it rupture? How did his relationship with the military rupture? Now, Imran Khan emerges on the scene, someone who's clean politician. And his ideology, his statement, his politics seem to align closely with military. And military, they pretty much, they come on board. Um, and since that time, since 2010, 2011, military has been pushing Imran relative. His rise came back through that time. Imran became the prime minister in 2018 election. Those elections were by EU, by other international organizations were considered to be one of the most frigate ones. Pakistan's election commission has rejected allegations of rigging, but shocking images coming out of counting booths casted doubt over the poll body's claims. I want to be very clear. Imran is an extremely popular uh, political uh, leader during that time, but not good enough to come into power on his own. His rivals kept saying and alleging that this was not possible without military's help. He was ruling from 2018 till late 2021. At that time, the rupture happened. That rupture has been building for some time. 
and that happened because there were some decision in which Imran wanted to take basically call out shots about something which meddled with the military's affair. Military has been meddling in political affairs, but it is very, very, you know, uh, possessive about nobody trying to meddle into their affairs. So would it be fair to say that the politicians in Pakistan have needed the support of the military, but they started to maybe go against Imran Khan when he made some decisions that wasn't in step with what they wanted? Yeah, yeah. We also have to see that Imran's governance was not exemplary. Economy was nosediving at that point. The Pakistani rupee is at its lowest against the dollar and commodity prices at their highest in 70 years. Imran basically went back on an IMF program that this government had signed. When Imran felt the military is trying to collude against him, he basically rolled back on that program. And even before that, and that is where, you know, it was a small kind of crack which really became into a whole wide rupture. The relationship between the two institutions which was based on complete trust, that had broken. That trust wasn't there anymore. So then a year ago, last spring in April, Imran Khan lost his position as the prime minister of Pakistan after a no-confidence vote in the parliament. Pakistan's prime minister, Imran Khan, has been ousted after losing a vote of no confidence. They blame him for a crumbling economy and failure to deliver on campaign promises. But the military had a role to play in that too. They said they were being neutral. But in effect, you could read between the lines and see that that meant Khan had lost their support, right? So then this spring, this May, just a few days before his arrest, you sat down with him, with Imran Khan, and you did an interview with him for Al Jazeera and and talked about what he described as this oversized role of the military in Pakistan. The current civil and military imbalance has to change if you want to Pakistan to get out of this mess. And by that, I mean rule of law. You cannot have a system where the, the prime minister has the responsibility, but he does not have the authority to implement his policies because that authority is shared with the military. You cannot wish away the role of military in Pakistan because it's entrenched for 70 years, but you need that balance. So what is he saying here exactly? This is the time, keeping in mind that uh, this is April actually, early April. And he was just trying to tell you that I'm not against the military. I'm just against the military not being with me. This essentially is the crux of it. Our political class does not necessarily agree or come to terms on the fact that we need to remove military's role from politics. So Imran, he said it is all because of one person, army chief. The current army chief is now General Sayyid Asim Munid. And Imran still today says that I don't have a problem with the institution. I have a problem with army chief. Right. So trying to assure people, assure the military that he doesn't have a problem with the institution, that it's just with this one particular individual. What is the military saying? I mean, or, or does it depend on who you ask? Well, if you would have asked me this question a few days ago, I would have said who depends on who you ask. But having said that, military has come out with a scathing, like the kind of a statement which will give you goosebumps. And I'll just give you one line from that statement. In Pakistan's 75 years of history, 
not even our eternal enemy has been able to harm us the way this group of protesters in the guise of a political party has harmed us. It's a military statement saying that this political party or the group of this political party are enemy of the state or enemy of the army. This is a huge, huge, huge thing to say. So you need to see how military is at the back foot. They are at the defensive because they have been maligned in the last one years, like never in the history of Pakistan like this, in such a public, loud, vocal manner. Would you say that everybody in the military believes this? I mean, is the military unified in their opposition to Imran Khan? This is where the whole thing comes in. I personally have had conversation with different various military officials um, of different various ranks. What we can safely say is that the top brass of the military is very much unanimous in their decision to oppose Imran. But on the other hand, the rank and file, the junior officers, they belong to the demographic which has seen Imran as their hero, which has seen the military actually supporting and pushing for Imran as the savior of the country. And they are now you know, going up in the ranks. They are becoming senior officers. On Thursday, the Supreme Court ruled that Imran Khan's arrest is illegal, which is an obvious win for him and his supporters. We have heard news that the court has ruled that Imran Khan's arrest was in fact illegal and that he must be released immediately. Former Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan has arrived home in Lahore after being granted two weeks bail on corruption charges. He was met by a large crowd of supporters. So, Abid, what's what's next? I mean, elections were supposed to happen. They did not happen. Um, now they're slated for the fall. Do you expect that they will happen? So, we know that Supreme Court has already set for a hearing next week about why the elections are not taking place. Because it was a Supreme Court order that elections have to take place, and if they vote, Supreme Court has the power to remove a prime minister on contempt. We have a history, we have a precedence, and that can happen again. By and large, if we look at it right now, Imran is supposed to win the elections. No question asked. If he is allowed to contest, right? Will that happen or not? One can't say. And one of the conversations that have been going on is it's turning out to be a battle between the army chief and the PTI leader. So he, do you think that Imran Khan stands a chance? I've been having this, this conversation with lots of people. You know, how we say in a casino, house always wins. Okay? In Pakistan's history, house always wins. Which is the military establishment. What Iran has done is pretty amazing. You know, forget the right or wrongs of it, right? That's a different debate. But he has shaken military for sure. No question about it. And going by the historic precedents, I will again think that it's going to be house winning. But it's, it's, it's a, I mean, the fact that even I'm saying that it's a 50-50, it shows how things have changed, how paradigm has shifted. Now, throughout this whole conversation, you've talked about just how much Pakistan is going through. And the country is going through a lot right now. You described that the economy is worse than ever. Um, without the IMF loans, Pakistan could default. 
of course, the country is still suffering consequences of devastating floods, and there are predictions of more floods coming this year. You have monsoon season that starts in June, which is just next month. We've been talking about Imran Khan's chances, but does Pakistan stand a chance? This is a very gloomy question, frankly speaking. It's not a linear situation where you deal with one problem and you go for the next one. You are right now in a circle where you have a plethora of problems and all those problems are connected to each other. How do you untangle this entire thing? We don't know how bad it can be. Pakistan has to pay off $77 billion of debt. That's a huge, huge number, okay? This is the fundamental crisis that we are looking at, right? How do you solve it? You know, you see, it's like you have a cancer patient and you are treating them with a paracetamol. So I would like to believe that my country has a chance because, again, Pakistan is not for the first time going through a crisis. But it does seem a little difficult to get out of. We don't have a roadmap. And that's The Take. We'll be back on Wednesday. This episode was produced by Amy Walters with Chloe K. Lee and Nagin Oliai, Ashish Malhotra, Sonia Bagat, Miranda Lynn, Khaled Sultan, and me, Natasha Del Toro. In for Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Adam Abugad and Munera Aldasari are our engagement producers. Alexander Locke is The Take's executive producer. And Nay Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio.